Welcome to the Sourcing Hero podcast produced by Una, a group purchasing organization that empowers sourcing heroes and Art of Procurement, the world's largest procurement podcast network. I'm your host, Kelly Barner. The goal of the Sourcing Hero podcast is to capture the epic stories of people who are rising up and beating the odds to create exceptional value within procurement directly from those heroes themselves. Today, my guest here on the Sourcing Hero podcast is Jay Detling. Jay is the CEO of Hero Digital, a customer experience company. And his background is in building and growing companies by bringing transformation and partnerships to the forefront. So Jay, as I welcome you in here, I do have to comment, being the CEO of Hero Digital, you have come to the right podcast. Thanks, Kelly. I'm really excited. Now, I shared a little bit about what you do and very high level about your background, but what else should people know about your professional journey to this point? Yeah, Kelly, it's a a great question. I'll try to be succinct, but I think the theme that I would probably share with your audience is that it's varied. And what I mean by that, and and on a couple different perspectives. So I've uh, primarily been in the technology and marketing space, in the services space, helping companies with a variety of their you know, initiatives and challenges, primarily focused on helping them grow. But personally, I've been a developer, so a developer in technology, building software, all the way through engagement manager, client partner, president, and CEO. And I've also been in services companies as well as product companies, the companies that produce the technology. Um, I've always been focused on growth, so I tend to personally lean towards go-to-market, which is why I'm no longer a developer. (laughs) And the last thing I'll say is, I'm really addicted to technology because not just technology for technology's sake, but what it represents. And to me, that's like innovation cycles that ultimately drive businesses across all the functions, marketing, sales, product, engineering, you know, through customer support. Now, you mentioned being enthusiastic about growth, and I think that provides us a terrific transition to sort of the the focus of where I want to spend our time today. You know, most of the Sourcing Hero podcast listening audience is in procurement, supply chain, sourcing, depending on how companies break it down. And customer experience is something that we've been hearing a lot about. It's sort of a new, fast-growing area of interest in our field. And while we'll all agree that a good customer experience is a good thing, I'm not sure we're all thinking of the same thing when we say that. So can you start off our conversation just by telling me what you think about and what you mean when you talk about customer experience? Sure thing, Kelly. It is it is a, a question that has or an area that has a lot of surface area. I think the, the largest thought to start with is every company has an opportunity to be more efficient in how they acquire and support their customers. And using that word customer, you know, they, they customers have a lot of opinions and they have a lot of preferences. And that, I think the dynamic nature or the challenge for every every organization is staying in tune with what that customer needs and wants are and balancing that with what is the corporation or enterprise trying to get done. And so th- there is uh, uh, just a, a wide array of things and, and opportunities to, uh, to be better at acquiring customers and that experience that they have when they're acquired all the way through the transaction and support and then retention. And so I think uh, there is there's just tremendous opportunity to uh, to make that more efficient 
and probably, you know, uh, be more competitive and differentiated in how one does that. So that's why it's such a, you know, an area with a lot of attention. Now, you talked about all of these opinions and preferences that customers have. Goodness knows, as personal consumers, we all have opinions and preferences, and those same things exist within a corporation when we might be talking about internal customers and stakeholders. If we're looking to build relationships, invest in partnerships, I think trust is a key element there. If people don't walk right up to us and say, hey, my opinion is, or hey, I prefer that, how is it that companies as a whole or somebody like a procurement team internally, if we're talking about internal customers and stakeholders, how do we understand those opinions and preferences if they're not being literally delivered to us? Kelly, another great question. You know, the the foundation of your question was based on trust and then learning about the human needs, uh, you know, that that people have and what forms that trust. And what's exciting about the space that that my business and I are operating in is that you you you're leveraging what are human to human relationships and you're leveraging the power of digital to to augment or uh, complement those human to human relationships. And I think for enterprises or companies, I sometimes use those terms interchangeably, to understand those needs of their customers, there's a couple different things that stand out for me. And some of them might seem really obvious, um, but I'll, I'll go through them. I think first and foremost, ask the customers what they need. They will usually be very, very vocal, especially if they find themselves <laughs> sort of, uh, you know, uh, wanting or needing something that your your company is not providing. And they have a lot of comparatives. The thing about, you know, we, we use uh, digital as another way to talk about technology in the space that, that we play in. There's a lot of different ways people are interacting using technology. And certainly the mobile phone has, uh, you know, just done wonders for consumer empowerment and, and connecting with businesses just in, in the palm of their hand. So first and foremost, ask them what they need. They'll usually be very, very vocal. That being said, that's not the only way. I think a, a second uh, way that has been very, very powerful, I'm, I'm thinking back to a B2B organization I worked for. They were selling to other businesses, so hence the term B2B. And we had an idea to take a green screen ordering process and make it more contemporary with websites and, and tablets and mobile phones and such. And we had a lot of good ideas that were generated on what the customers needed. But we did the second tactic that I'll talk about, which is get out in the wild and see your customers in their environment. For example, if you can go visit some customers and actually ask to see their desk or workspace or where they usually interact with your business. So I say, watch them in the wild and you'll see all the tools around them. They might have sticky notes on their monitor. They might have you know, favorites that they've saved that don't have anything to do with your business that you could say, wow, if I can make my experience incorporate those things, I'll be even more sticky to them. So I think watching them in the wild. And then the third thing I would say is, you know, inventory what other brands they work with. There might be an experience that they use to do their travel or that they manage, you know, their household with. And that brand has some features that make it very sticky or very, very uh, seamless or frictionless. And those are things that customers really like that build trust with your brand. Trust is based on you know, predictability and things working as expected. And so I think it's very important to ask the people that are ultimately going to be using your tools that, uh, that you, that you uh, leverage for customer experience, ask them what they want. Crazy thought. Just ask people what they want, right? I mean, it's very, it's probably just as powerful 
simply asking the question uh, in terms of experience contributions as it is getting the feedback and putting it into practice. I have to think that whether it's B2B or, or B2C, feeling like a brand cares, feeling like a company cares about what you think, that has to be sort of part of the, the brand loyalty, is it? Oh, absolutely. And, and the idea, you triggered another word that uh, is often used. Not only do they take care of the things that you would expect, but they anticipate and they're one step ahead or they make some steps simpler. And that anticipation creates more, uh, you know, uh, endearment from their customers to that brand. Now, we talk about customer experience like it's something that you want to have. And whether we've invested in customer experience or not, you haven't. But what that means is sometimes it's good and sometimes it's bad. It's still the customer experience. It just might not be good. To what extent can that experience either amplify a company's competitive differentiators or honestly take away from them? That is a, a an age old question that a lot of clients of mine have have asked, and you know some of the things that I share with them are very specific to their business and what I've done relative to research. But I'd say generally, you know what 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 is really important to keep in mind is um, or sort of hold up as, as guiding principles, if you will. You know, I think number one, you want to uh, make that experience seamless. So. What does seamless mean? Well, if you're signing up for something or you're showing interest in a brand, don't make the form that people have to fill out with all their personal information that you might be collecting. Don't um, overburden them. Make it very simple. Make it auto-populate, for example, if, it, if they have that cached in their browser. So make it seamless, uh, sometimes referred to as frictionless. So if you have a more complex transaction maybe that you're working on with your customers, Try to make it as frictionless as possible so people can move through the buying cycle uh, without, you know, I'll use that term again, without too much burden or extra steps. I think secondly, it's, it's different than seamless and frictionless. It's about saving time. Make it a utility. So if you're selling a product or service, you know, make that, enable that in such a way that the customer feels like they're saving time and it's ingenious almost in, in which uh, the way you've done that. And then uh, what I see a lot of other organizations doing or what's important, you know, ultimately every business, when you boil it down, is selling some kind of product and that could be a finished and hard good or they're selling a service and that service is taking care, care of something, but it ultimately leaves a, a taste or a feeling with the customer. And including technology and digital enablement in that product or service you know, certainly leaves the customer feeling like it's more contemporary and it's more, uh, uh, you know, understanding of their needs and wants. And I think that's really, really important. And, you know, probably first and foremost, I probably should have led with, you know, you have to understand your brand ethos. And that might sound like mm -hmm. consulting speak, but really, what does your brand represent? What are your brand values? And oftentimes, you know, a company is investing very heavily in, in that brand value statement and they've invested in a sales force and they've trained them or they've built a distributor or warehouse where customers can pick up products and they've invested in that to make their, sure there's great parking, great customer service when you come up to the counter. And then oftentimes what happens when you're on the digital side, you'll see a drop off in those things, almost an oversight. And it's very important that when you look at all those customer touch points that you're uh, supporting the brand values. And if you're not, to answer your, your question, 
that's where you can detract from the company's you know competitive differentiation. You could have a competitor who's investing very heavily in digital. And, you know, customers, while they're loyal, they will switch. And there's been a lot of, you know, uh, analysis on this, whether you're a, a B2C shopper or a B2B shopper, the switching costs are very, very low. You can, you can shop another brand very, very easily. And if they have a better experience that is more frictionless, more seamless, gets people faster to where they're trying to go, even if you might have lower prices and even a higher quality product, you may lose that customer. So you have to be competitive on the digital customer experience in ways that you haven't thought of if, if you haven't thought of that before. Now, one of the things that procurement is not only good at, but fond of is baselining, right? So anytime we're going to start a new project, we figure out, okay, I know I'm at the beginning, but where is the beginning? And I have a sense that going through a process like that around customer experience would be good for companies, for internal teams that have maybe not thought consciously about the experience that they do offer in the past. Given your experience in this area, what advice would you offer up to a company, to a team that wants to better understand what their customer experience is honestly like today so that they can be more purposeful going forward and regardless of, of how good it is already, make it better in a way that's meaningful to the current and prospective target customers? Yeah, thank you, Kelly. I, I really like this question and I think it's important to recognize in answering it, uh, the, the uh, embedded knowledge in an organization, and, and that comes from you know, a lot of experience and tenured employees, uh, as well as very senior ones. And uh, I think the risk for every enterprise is oftentimes there's um, an overweighting that happens with the senior folks in an organization or uh, the people that have been there very, very long and their opinions and their opinions are really, really valuable. That's what's got grown the company and, and gotten it to where it is today. However, that may not you know, represent the full truth of, of what's happening or the changing dynamic. And so I think the advice I would I would offer is, um, you know, use a third party to run a diagnostic or do an assessment on your overall customer experience. And certainly every organization, every third party that's, uh, you know, I'd say worth its weight will have a framework. And, you know, no two frameworks are the same, but they're generally, you know, a framework that's tried and true. They've used it at multiple places and it is based on their experience as well as a lot of different brands. What I would also make sure that's important for our procurement um, uh, friends is, is try to use a third party that has depth in your industry, but also has the uh, the vantage uh, the vantage point from a multitude of different industries because the end consumer is a uh, or the end buyer might be a B two B buyer, but they're also a consumer, and so they're working with a lot of other brands, and their their perspective is really really important. So I think use a third party to run a diagnostic and assessment, and then you know something I mentioned before, a second recommendation would be ask your customers. You know, in terms of what do they think? What what do they think is missing? What would make uh, life easier? What would align with, you know, one of the you know the multitude of objectives that the company has? If you were to just just be open and ask them, how would you do this better? If we wanted to increase the average order size, you might not say it that way, but how could we offer you more products? You know, things yeah. of that nature. But ask your customers, and what I would what's really important a sub bullet under that one: all tiers of the customers, the new ones versus the retained ones. You want to make sure re you're retaining your customers and don't overlook, you know, the value that they bring. 
and also ask the new ones who may be shopping different brands and different uh, different sites maybe more aggressively than the retained ones. So I think those two things are really, really important. And certainly, you know, as, as part of what we've talked about today is making sure that we're not just asking them and then sort of letting the information flow past. We're really trying to get into their heads. You know, if we, if we want to provide a, a good service, as you said, a good product, whether that's a procurement buying experience internally, we do aim for that to be as frictionless as possible, despite what some people listening in might be thinking. We're trying to get more frictionless. Um, and then the the product that we deliver in some cases is ease of access. In other cases is introducing suppliers that they wouldn't have found and, and been able to work with. And so it's, I guess it's almost like in an exercise in understanding and empathy, right? You're trying to understand the mindset of this person you're trying to reach and align what you prioritize with what will make the most difference to them. Because ultimately, that brings everybody onto the same page, right? Right, Kelly. And I, I think what's so exciting about right now, uh, the, the the period, the era that we're in is you're not only competing on product attributes, you're competing on how you work with your customer. And that, that's setting your overall value proposition. And just the promise of digital allows you know all of us to reach new ends and new customer segments that we couldn't before in more traditional ways. Uh, so while it might feel daunting or challenging, the opportunity to solve these things is also uh, increased immense, immensely. Now, Jay, as we start to wrap up our time together, I want to bring you into a tradition that we have here at The Sourcing Hero. Although it occurs to me now, we probably should have made this harder for you, uh, spending all this time around heroism as you do, digital or otherwise. Uh, but we have a tradition where every guest, the first time they join me on the show, I give them a pair of questions. So I'm going to give you two options. You can pick either one, and there is no such thing as a wrong answer. I always think I've heard every answer to both questions until I hear the next answer and I realize there was another piece to be added to the story. So here are your choices. Either what does the idea of a sourcing hero mean to you? Or second option, what do you think heroism looks like in a business context? Oh, I love this. Uh, I think I'm going to choose, well, I like both of them. I think I am going to choose heroism in a business context. Uh, you know, just, a, just it, it's calling to me. It's calling to me. So I have a couple <laughs> thoughts on that. Um, you know, first of all, uh, you know, we spend a little context setting for me, why that one jumped out to me. We spend such a, a, an inordinate amount of time of our lives, you know, working with our colleagues and working in a variety of situations. Sometimes they're ambiguous. Sometimes they're very you know, production oriented. Sometimes they're in groups, sometimes they're solo, just a variety of context. And I think, you know, to be a hero in the business context, uh, you know, probably boils down to three things for me. And the first one would be, be a team player. You know, it's, it's very important to, to be a team player. And oftentimes, you know, you find yourself in situations where it hasn't been directly defined, you know, what everyone's role is. And if you're, if you're leaning forward and you're a team player, you're helping other people while you're also getting your things done. And it's about what the group can get done. So I think that stands out. Um, and, and maybe the second one's blended too closely to the first one, but the second one is 
make the group dynamic better. I think we've all been in situations where you're kind of four or five people in a group and you're kind of like, wow, you know, if that person maybe changed their orientation, this would go a lot better. And the people that are, are leaning forward on their front foot, um, you know, are, are create gravitas and, and people want to follow those people. And so I think thinking about making the group dynamic better is, is really, really important. And then lastly, very pragmatically said, just get things done. You know, there are times where, you, you know, people are looking around and they're not sure and they haven't been anointed as, uh, you know, the person. Um, but the people that grab things and just get things done are, are really, really valuable. And to me, you know, I like uh, having people on my team that have all of those things or at least two of the three. And it really makes the workplace uh, just a wonderful place to be. I completely agree with you because to to sort of connect your your first point with your last we do spend so much time at work. Um, and if you can be around a team that you enjoy and where people exchange respect and you get stuff done, that is about as good as it gets. Uh, Jay, for people that are listening in that maybe haven't met you, don't know about Hero Digital, would like to connect and learn more, where would you suggest that people reach out? I have three ideas for how you can reach out. First of all would be Hero Digital, one word, herodigital.com. And you can learn more about the uh, the organization I lead and my team of heroes, first of all. Uh, I certainly invite personal emails. So it's j.detling at herodigital.com. And that's J-A-Y period detling, D-E-T-T-L-I-N-G at herodigital.com. And then also LinkedIn works great, just at j.detling. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sourcing Hero Podcast. Join us again next time for more true stories of sourcing and business heroism performed by your colleagues and peers. Look for the Sourcing Hero wherever you get your podcasts, and don't forget to subscribe. Finally, don't forget, sourcing heroism is taking place all around us every day. Keep your eyes open and you're bound to see it. Until next time, I'm your host, Kelly Barner. Stay well and always remember that you can be a hero too.